Welcome to Tracklisting, the podcast where a musician, a comedian, and a painter review old albums for some reason. Nick. Chris. And I'm Caleb, and I think this week Nick has a pick for us for some reason. For some reason. For some reason. I have <laughs> picked the soundtrack to 1998's Practical Magic. <laughs> <laughs> There was some palpable shock when they heard the pick this week. (laughs) For those unfamiliar with the movie, this is Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock star as sister witches trying to break a curse that kills men who fall in love with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a lot to say about this movie and this soundtrack, so let's uh, jump right in. First, we've got Stevie Nicks with If You Ever Did Believe. You were so strong, I fell to my knees And I don't think I can handle this at all Well, one more night I'd like to lie and hold you The Black Magic Woman herself, Stevie Nicks. <laughs> Stevie Nicks. No wonder they contacted her for this soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one of the smartest things they actually did with the soundtrack is they got witchy woman Stevie Nicks involved. Heavily involved. I, I wonder if she heard of a witch movie happening and was like, <laughs> like just showed up at the Hollywood offices and was like, I gotta, I gotta get on. I gotta get on. <laughs> yeah, so it says on Wikipedia that they're yeah, it, it 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 it's it was written around this time, right? Or that it was uh, it was like promoting this song. This song was written originally back in 1976. Oh, and right. this is a song that Stevie Nicks wrote about drummer Mick Fleetwood. And there's a demo of that that you can listen to. That's pretty great. I think it came out in like 78. A couple of years later, started circulating. But Stevie was contacted by. The uh, music supervisor, Danny Bramson, and he asked her to put a couple of tunes into the movie, and she didn't want to do it at first uh, because the movie was coming out in six weeks or so, and she was used to making records where they would spend <laughs> like a week getting a snare drum sound. Yeah. And, but she, she, she wanted to do it, and she, she had the idea to ask Cheryl Crow to come in and produce the songs and to sing backups, since they were both in New York at the same time recording back-to-back episodes of uh, VH1 Storytellers. And they turned out these, uh, there's two songs on the soundtrack from Stevie Nicks, but they uh, they turned them around in a couple of days, and we'll hear that other track a little bit later in the soundtrack. Yeah, this definitely has that like late 90s uh, like modern country production. It's not a sound that I like particularly well. I like Stevie Nicks a lot, of course, but uh, yeah, what? <laughs> not, not your favorite, Stevie. Yeah, from from Stevie to Nicks, how do you feel about this song? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I feel all right. It's a you know, it's a mild song, and you can definitely hear the influence of um, Cheryl Crow. You know, kind of bringing her production style to the to this track. Yeah, 
I wonder, was she contacted via Ouija board? Do we know? Or was it on the phone? Or <laughs> how did they get on this? Dude, I read about the, the production of this film. So it was directed by Griffin Dunn. I don't know if you guys remember Griffin Dunn. He He's was a, coming hot off of Joe's apartment. Oh, man. <laughs> I love Joe's apartment. <laughs> Most well-known as an actor, he was the, the best friend in American Werewolf in, uh, in London who gets killed and keeps coming back. I don't know if you remember that or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. After Hours, the uh, Scorsese film. But anyway, so he was working on this film and he apparently he was like, well, I don't actually know much about witchcraft. So they hired a consultant. They brought in a witch to uh, <laughs> consult on the picture. Yes. And uh, yes. <laughs> apparently things went south pretty quickly where the witch started like demanding back end. So they started... <laughs> And then, she the the witch sued the studio, right? <laughs> well, first of first she threatened to curse the and she cursed the picture <laughs> and uh, and everyone involved, and then also threatened a legal action. And I think they ended up paying her off just because they used all my spells. They used all my spells. I wrote those spells. And they used them in the movie. I have the rights to those. Spells. <laughs> that is so bananas. <laughs> <laughs> movie facts. Cinema. (laughs) All right, Nikki, what do we got coming up next? Track two, we've got Faith Hill with This Kiss. But you got me like a rocket shooting straight across the sky. It's the way you love me. It's a feeling like this. It's centrifugal motion. It's perpetual bliss. It's that pivotal moment. This kiss, this kiss, unstoppable. This kiss, this kiss. And every time I hear this song, it just reminds me of this story that happened when I was a kid. It must have been around the year 2000 or so. I was on a a road trip with a friend of mine and his family in Texas, and the parents were big country music fans, and they were playing this album, Faith. Uh, a ton which for us like angsty teenagers is just the worst thing we'd ever heard (laughs) so at some point my friend and i made his parents put on a copy of uh radiohead's kid a that we had in the car and we only got about two tracks in and i just remember the mom shouting pick a note and stick with it radiohead (laughs) (laughs) we got a john cage fan (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's like man trying to lighten the mood a bit <laughs> <laughs> one note so i watched this movie in my mind i was like oh yeah I, rem- I remember this movie um i don't know if i've only seen parts of this movie or if maybe i'd only seen the trailer like a million times because i don't think i had seen this movie i had and never seen this movie i was familiar with it it really feels like it was a movie that was in a panic chopped up and put together like five different times because it like veers like tonally like left and right so hard and so i start watching it i'm kind of like oh i do i remember this and the first half like i want to say the first maybe 20 minutes is probably 80 percent of the soundtrack because it's a lot of like montages and it's just like song after song and i'm like what is happening (laughs) and this i think this is one of the songs that's playing it's like it plays a lot of a song because there's they're just kind of there's they keep setting up the story and then they keep telling more in the story. And like before the movie begins, they like go through like years and years of explaining what's going on. Yeah. Like it sets up tonally like a, you know, witches and like 
what you, what looks like old New England, but it, later it turns out Washington or something. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I, they filmed it up in my neck of the woods in like the Puget Sound, but they it's definitely supposed to be like uh, you know New England. Yeah, Massachusetts somewhere. Yeah. Say, I mean, like it's like a Salem ripoff town, but um, I mean, yeah, this is uh, this is the iconic scene uh, where Sandra Bullock. I guess they've hinted that she's into the guy that works at the farmers market or something, or like somebody casts a spell, maybe Stockard Channing and Diane Weist are like, eh, we'll see what this spell's like. I think the ants, yeah, cast a love spell to try to get her like out of the house. This is that ridiculous montage where it shows him working and she's like, I just, I, I just love kissing my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the first husband, it's like, uh, I've, I recognize him from TV work and from different movies. Yeah. And so you're, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't remember him being in this movie. I'm still trying to remember if I'd seen this movie or not. And I was like, oh, he's in it. And it's like a lot of like m- montage of them like falling in love and having a family that's like going for a long time. And I think he gets killed off without really saying anything. I don't think he said a word. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think he said a word. But it goes in line with the curse. Um, he almost gets run over by like a full Peloton of bicyclists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's like, like that was a close one. And then immediately, immediately gets hit by a car and dies. It's the bizarre. Fu- yeah. The fucking Swedish bicycling team like <laughs> comes through this. It's a town with only one curve. It's just a little like elbow in a road. Yeah, and it somehow supports like a hundred bicyclists. <laughs> and then a turnip truck is just flooring it <laughs> through the middle of town right behind the Peloton. <laughs> I think people would be talking about this movie more if it wasn't for that. Uh, the famous Meet Joe Black gif where it's uh, a... <laughs> Where Brad Pitt's like waving goodbye or like walking oh, yeah. in the street and then he gets hit out of nowhere. Like by because- two cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the scene. That, that's what this scene should have been. It should have been the first husband just like brutally murdered. He should have seen it all. God. And also, at, like, at, I think at the beginning of this song, you see, uh, you know, Sandra Bullock and she's got glasses and her hair's a little frizzy. <laughs> I was like laughing that like Hollywood loved to ugly up Sandra Bullock uh, in the beginning of movie at the beginning of so many movies. She's like, well, yeah, there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of work put in where um, this because <laughs> before the before the movie actually really starts in earnest, like it goes through decades. And I think there's a lot of scenes where you're supposed to believe that uh that Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman are like teenagers. Yeah. And so there's kind of like, Oh, just change their hair. And now they're teenagers. They're obviously like women in their late thirties. <laughs> Not late thirties. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then they like make reference to, uh, they, they, cause the, the ants never get old. They just kind of like put some gray hair in their hair. Yeah. And, uh, but they're, you know, they're witches and there's like a few one-off ones are like, Oh yeah. And they never age or something You're like, okay. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> they try to make her look like a teenager just by putting glasses on her. Yeah, yeah. making her a little goofier. <laughs> just like, come on. This song, when it plays in the movie, actually segues right into uh, track three on the soundtrack. Oh, perfect. So up next, we've got Marvin Gaye with "Got to Give It Up," part one.
little tidbit I found today was uh, when that song came out, it actually took over Fleetwood Mac's dreams as the number one spot on the Billboard charts. Sorry, Fleetwood Mac. Sorry, what a time to What a time to be alive. That's, what I know. That's, that's fucking music, baby. Tasty jams. That was the label saying, hey, Marvin, give us a disco track. Kind of <laughs> like that Johnny Taylor song, Disco Lady. Can you do that? And uh, boy, did he deliver. Yeah, man. We've, we've had the song on the on an episode before. Yeah, very heavily used in soundtracks. Um, yeah, did the label ask for a nine-minute version? Or <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the part one part, right? That's the part one. The, the, the full version is 12 minutes long. You can catch that on the uh, Marvin Gaye Live at the London Palladium album, which nice. is uh, great. But yeah, this song has been in a ton of soundtracks. This was in... Boogie Nights that we did. This was in Menace to Society, uh, Summer of Sam, Charlie's Angels, Eat, Pray, Love. Um, oh. oh no! <laughs> and uh, in the movie, uh, in the movie Paul from 2011. Yeah, oh, the Alien. So this is playing during that uh, pool party, which I guess Nicole Kidman's is sort of sowing her wild oats. Uh, did you guys catch uh, what the crowd looked like at that pool party? Yeah. Oh Is man, the, the, the baggy jeans. <laughs> Not just that, but like ninety percent <laughs> dudes. And I was like, this is like a gross like swingers pool party. If you watch that scene, you're like, ooh, ew, ew. <laughs> like everybody in that scene, you're like, looks so greasy and nasty. <laughs> so yeah, so Nicole Kidman is ostensibly kind of the the you know the wild sister. And she takes off. She like gets out of that New England slash Washington State town and just has to like live her life or whatever. Yeah. And then she goes off, and you're kind of like, I guess I was assuming that it was L.A. There's like pools, and it's like a lot of like, you know, whatever. And then, but when uh, when later, so uh, Sandra Bullock has to go kind of rescue her, brings her back, and then uh, ultimately Aiden Quinn comes to investigate uh, the disappearance of of one of the characters. And he's like, turns out he's coming from like New Mexico or something. Yeah, he's like, coming from like Arizona. Arizona's it's like, like desert, <laughs> Albuquerque. It's like the. <laughs> so I like to imagine Nicole Kidman just ending up in fucking Santa Fe, and there's like fifteen party people in Santa Fe. <laughs> I'm gonna get out of this town and go to the big city, House, House, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my friend will new mexico native yeah, right on right on yeah yeah but this is also isn't this playing um <laughs> original husband is still alive oh yeah like it's a yeah. Dan- dancing in the living room together as a family with, like you do it's <laughs> yeah. a it's a sweet scene but it's like <laughs> we're spending so much time with this guy that you it's it's pretty much telling you that he's gonna die and he never gets to say anything it's really sad <laughs> Yeah, that the uh, little dancing in the living room thing. It it's sweet, uh, but it goes on about like five seconds too long, and you can tell they're already like losing steam after they're like rounding the uh, the coffee table, <laughs> like dancing like in a conga line, and like like all right, has it? Can we? Oh, still go. <laughs> so there's this like curse with a beetle. So anytime that her character hears the sound of a beetle ticking, it's an omen that the uh, the person she loves is about to die. So. She hears the beetle and she tears up the floorboards in her house to try to catch this beetle. Yeah, man. It's like fucking Gene Hackman in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. He just starts. Man, she, she goes to town, man. Noise. 
Telltale heart. <laughs> that doesn't come back, by the way. Like No, no, at the end it's like it's voiceovered away where it's like, and you know, that the curse was probably broken, I guess. <laughs> the end. The end. And so this Witchcraft is Witchcraft prevails. This movie is is based on a novel, uh, I should say. Uh, yeah, this is an Alice Hoffman novel uh, of the same name. I haven't read the novel, but the one thing that I read is that uh, apparently the curse was added in, on this, in the script and wasn't involved. So I'm like, I don't know what this... Why is the curse in it? Yeah. God. I don't, yeah. Well, let's get into the next track. We'll, we'll pick up a, the curse later. We'll come back to this, Beetle. Track four, we've got Lisa Hall with Is This Real? Yeah, this is supposed to be kind of a dark and sexy song of the time. And uh, so I, I guess it kind of works, but man, it's uh, some like early use of auto-tune that is not really working out. This is a type of sound that you really didn't hear outside of New Mexico in 1998. It was a very... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! You know, they had their, their own music scene and it was very, very dark and sexy. Yeah, used for deviant sex only i guess (laughs) so we're still i you know this is definitely a nicole kidman part when she's out like having her rumspringa or whatever yeah and uh so we're still like the movie hasn't essentially started yet we're still like gearing up for the movie (laughs) it's building it's building it's building this is uh two words jimmy angeloff uh is like coming up behind her during the scene and putting a blindfold on her Um, (laughs) This guy turns out to be a real jerk. Yeah. A guy, real jerk. I'll say it. He's a real jerk. <laughs> this is uh, the actor. It was, I can't remember his name, but I remember he was kind of famously brought on uh, the show ER to replace George Clooney as like the sexy lead when Clooney bailed. Mm, Goran Vizhnyuk? Yeah. He, I think he got kind of, uh, fam- there was a movie called Welcome, Welcome to Sarajevo that I think he starred in and he kind of like... Uh, got shot into hollywood it's funny like i didn't remember him being in the movie at all like when i thought that i had seen it and i was like oh this guy's in it and he's like a huge part of it kind of man i feel like the antagonist is themselves though (laughs) like sandra bullock and nicole kidman in a a weird way (laughs) essentially they kill this guy like two or three times and desecrate his grave a couple times (laughs) (laughs) just like why won't you die (laughs) I didn't realize this had a like a pet cemetery type uh, yeah. hotline. <laughs> Sometimes dead is better. Leave him in the ground. Trust me. <laughs> like, yeah, they they bury him in the front yard, and Sandra Bullock's daughter sees him through the window. She's like, "Mommy, who's that man in the garden?" And they don't see the guy in the garden, and they're like, "Oh shit, <laughs> it's <laughs> happening." They go they go out to his grave, and they they see his boots popping up out of the ground, and his. His boots sink back into the ground. Yeah. They're like, oh, fuck. 
it's like just leave him dead the first time instead of having to re-murder him three times <laughs> yeah there was a little bit of like a keystone cops like we gotta bring him back to life so we don't get charged with murder and the guy's like i'm alive and then they just murder him again in a panic yeah, I, <laughs> I would yeah i wish that it was like goofier where they ended up like murdering him over and over throughout the movie or else just i don't know it's just weird it's so fucking weird. You should say uh, the daughter is actually played by a very young Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. Wild, right? But yeah, that is like a creepy part where she comes out. She's like, who's who's the guy under the roses? And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. The curse. The evil ant witches have uh, forever cursed this family. <laughs> Let's jump into the next track. This is track five. Nick Drake, Black Eyed Dog. Black eyed dog, he knew my name. Black eyed dog, he knew my name. Black eyed dog. Black eyed dog. Nick Drake popping up again. This is a song from one of his final recording sessions back in 1974. And yeah, I don't think it got released until like the 90s or something, though. Yeah, it was released in, let's see, in 79 on a uh, retrospective album called Fruit Tree, where oh, okay. I guess his label allowed him to, or allowed the whoever was in charge of his music to start publishing his back catalog. And uh, they said that the... The title um, "Black Eyed Dog" is taken from Winston Churchill's description of uh, depression, being described as a black dog. Mm. So this is, um, we should say that original husband still alive and well. This is <laughs> the movie never starts. By the way, we're still building. <laughs> we haven't actually gotten to the the start of the movie. Uh, original this is <laughs> original husband has survived through a montage of like probably five full songs now. Uh, and this is when he gets he gets killed by the turnip truck. <laughs> and he's I should say he's actually being like uh, followed around town by a black dog. We mentioned earlier there's an omen with the black beetle, but there's just like so many omens. I I gotta feel like the this was the witch's input. She's like, no more omens, more omens. Um, there's yeah, there's several. I I read his tarot cards, and <laughs> he has to see these three things. Um, okay, are we to believe in this world people are aware of witches existing and they are powerful? Because the whole town like is racist towards this group of like seemingly fairly normal women, especially like Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock. Like, <laughs> but like I think by the end of it, you are because they the the town is like cheering them on. Yeah, as witches, as witches. Well, it's- it's like an old, it is like Salem. So there was the old, uh, there was like old witch trials, they're saying. And then like the lineage of, of those witchy women have like lived out kind of on the island for a long time. So I think in, the, in you know, in the, in the town, a lot of people know it's like, oh, you know, don't go that house. That's the witch's house or whatever. There is yeah. like <laughs> later on during the exorcism, there's like a little bit of a redemption. And probably my favorite line and delivery of the film is when one of the, kind of the local like uh pta women 
gets called and she shows up to help with the exorcism and they're like oh i'm surprised you came and she's like you know i've always wanted to be, in, be inside your aunt's house <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh, okay. oh my god that's Jeez. why you came <laughs> well thanks thanks for helping us out it's a beautiful house <laughs> Apparently, Barbara Streisand loved the house so much in the movie that she she contacted them and she wanted to buy the house. And they were like, "No, no, that's not. That's just like a shell of a house. Yeah, like, it, there's nothing. It, that's just a like. A, it looks like a house, but it's not a house. We tore a, that down. It was oh, a matte painting no. that we threw up on Whidbey Island. <laughs> she was like, "No, I love that house. I want that house." I mean, there was like one sort of like lofty room. And I was like, oh, whoa, I haven't seen this room. It was like when Nicole Kidman showed back up and there's like, an, yeah. like a, a completely unused loft room that's got both stairs coming to it and stairs descending from it. And I was like, wait, this, <laughs> is this the, are there five levels to this house? This is amazing. <laughs> it's a pretty great house. It's a great house. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was so great that you had to imagineer it. I think you can find an exterior of a house. Like I don't sometimes Hollywood baffles me. It's like like how many meetings where it's like, no, no, the house is a character in the film. We have to build and it's like, yeah, it looks like a big Victorian house. I don't know. It's kinda of like the fight club thing too, where like people tried to buy that house and they were like, No, we we tore that down. <laughs> <laughs> It was just for the movie, guys. Abandoned house that they squatted in? <laughs> it's like, yeah. even Stanley Kubrick found like a cabin for The Shining to like shoot the exteriors. You don't have to just build it and then knock it down, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara Streisand ends up buying the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to settle with something. Yeah. Where's the carpet? Where's the carpet? <laughs> Let's get into, where are we at? Track six, Joni Mitchell. A case of you. I drew a map of Canada. Oh, Canada. With your face sketched on it twice. Oh, you're in my blood like holy wine. It tastes so bitter and so sweet. Oh, Joni Mitchell, so great. For some reason, famously grumpy in her <laughs> in her really? old age. I, I don't know what it is. I think she's bitter about uh, like recognition that she didn't receive. I think she wants to be as recognized as, as Bob Dylan or something like that. Uh, but you watch interviews with her now, and man, she is she is pretty pissed. She's pretty bitter. And, and, Apparently, they were going to try to shoot a uh, Joni Mitchell biopic and cast Taylor Swift as the role, but Joni Mitchell said, like, no way in hell. Uh, Taylor Swift is only good because she has high cheekbones. Um, (laughs) All right, Joni, calm down. I I like Joni quite a bit. I think that... Yeah, she's great. my, My impression of her has always been that she's like a little grossed out by like a uh, kind of the hero worship of, of musicians and actors where, you know, she, she does a lot of paintings. She, like a lot of her album art has been like her own paintings. And, and I think she just kind of pictures like, Oh yeah, I write songs and I like paint and stuff. And then I get these interviews and everybody's like obsessed with some song that I wrote when I was like 22. And it's like, I don't know. I was a 
a kid and I wrote a song like get away from me. <laughs> I, saw, I saw an interview with her. It was the guy from Radio Q, but um, he's interviewing her in, in her house and she hates listening to her own music and like, you know, <laughs> tries to never hear it if she can do anything about it. But like Caleb said, you know, she's a painter and it kind of seems like she wanted to be realized for her paintings more than her music yeah. because the interviewer is like, you hate your music, but like we're sitting here in your house and we're surrounded by your paintings. Is that because you think your paintings are better than your music and you you think you want to be recognized as a painter? And she's like, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? What is it about Radio Q that gets the grumpiest interviews ever? Everyone seems so pissed off. Like, oh, what's the it's Billy, Billy Bob Thornton? Thornton Billy Bob Thornton. Oh He's yeah, like, check it out. I don't want to talk about being an actor. We agreed we wouldn't talk about that. See, it's the same. Th- it's the same thing. Like, uh, Billy Bob Thornton wants to be taken seriously only as a musician, not an actor. Joni Mitchell just wants to talk about her paintings. Like, I don't know, man. I think people are just sick of being like if you're joni mitchell and you've been asked about a case of you for decades and decades it's like i don't i don't know man people are like is it about leonard cohen it's like i I think so i don't you know i was like a kid (laughs) i wrote it like one weekend yeah is it is it inconceivable to think i wrote a love song about no one in particular i think i think it is about leonard cohen though all the canada stuff we'll include a link in our episode release to uh, jim carrey's painting studio by the way Uh, (laughs) fantastic stuff vigo vigo mortensen's always talking about his paintings i i love a i love a famous person making paintings (laughs) george bush this is this is (laughs) the goat his art teacher was she did some interview for cnn she was like you know i've been teaching george bush painting for a while and he's he's gotten really good (laughs) but he was only painting like doodle dogs for a while (laughs) (laughs) did you see that onion that was like uh like he keeps painting the iraqi child and all (laughs) yeah in the background of all his paintings (laughs) the ghosts of the iraqi children uh so this Joni mitchell song in the movie is being played this is a nicole kidman scene where she's She's driving, uh, I guess, ostensibly from New Mexico to uh, New England through Washington State or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, <laughs> it's like a very, you know, quote unquote artistic scene where it's like the, the day, it's like the desert and it's turning from night to day while she's like singing along to, to Joni Mitchell. And, it uh, looks crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, it's kind of impressive, but it's also like pretty crazy. Like Steph leaned over and she's just like, this is bad. <laughs> yeah, Reminds me of at the end of the first Terminator when Sarah Connor's like driving into the storm. <laughs> Give me that same vibe. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I should say, first husband has died finally, mm-hmm. but the, the movie hasn't started. This is, she's, uh, Nicole Kidman's heading back to like console uh, Sandra Bullock, but then leaves again, but then they have, I don't know, man. <laughs> Well, let's hear track seven and see if the movie starts after that one. <laughs> this is Michelle Lewis with Nowhere and Everywhere. Window shopping for religion or something harder than the coins in the pocket. She's way too pretty for primetime New York. She gets the business every time she takes a walk amid the Small porno scenes, but they can never touch her. They're 
I see a YouTube comment on this song where more than one user has said soundtrack to my youth. <laughs> it's just like I don't know which universe. Dude, this is so dated to me. It's so crazy dated the sound of like the 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 singer songwriter, but like overproduced, and then goes into like the little like spoken word things seamlessly. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, oh, I, I was doing some YouTube browsing of uh, clips of this movie, and there's uh, one playlist uh, called "100 Witchy Songs," and "Practical Magic" is the uh, like the Keystone image of it, and it's got. <laughs> It says 100. There are 432 witchy songs on this YouTube playlist. So, you know, it's got its fans. Practical <laughs> Magic has its fans. Apparently, uh, real witches love this movie. <laughs> it's the most realistic witch movie out there. <laughs> they got it right. They got it right. Yeah. <laughs> this song's playing when um, Sandra Bullock is, you know, writing a letter and kind of gazing up at the moon for way too long. And then... <laughs> Like wind is blowing in her hair while she's just gazing up at the moon. Yeah, we have we have yet to uh, to meet the the male lead of this film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> still, still hasn't happened. The movie still essentially hasn't started. If you're story blocking, nothing's happened yet. <laughs> Apparently, Sandra Bullock made this movie because Speed Two was such a huge uh, bomb. Oh, really? That, uh, Cruise yeah, control? she wanted. To, Cruise control. She wanted to get out of the blockbuster movie territory and do something to stretch her, uh, you know, her acting legs a little bit. Yeah, I mean, she's. That's the thing is that the cast is actually great cast. Uh, Stalker Channing and, uh, and Diane, Diane Weist are probably my favorite. You know, I'm a big Weist guy. Yeah, Diane Weist, Weisting, Weist mode. Uh, <laughs> So amazing. She was in Lost Boys, of course, and Birdcage and uh Edward Scissorhands. But, yeah, Edward Scissorhands. Everybody's good, but it's just I think maybe more than anyone, Sandra Bullock is sometimes she's in a different movie than everybody else. Like she's like <laughs> doing like some physical comedy and stuff. Well, uh <laughs> like right before it turns to the exorcist. <laughs> she's yeah. doing like, Oh, I can't lie to this guy, and she's like bumbling and like <laughs> running into things oh yeah when the detective comes and questions and it's like way too flirtatious when he's questioning about murder apparently the director got an exorcism done after that witch put a curse on the movie he said he got an exorcism done uh just to be on the safe side (laughs) (laughs) what is going on with the making of this movie i saw i saw a few quotes where every apparently a lot of the cast were like you know, there was something in that house. Like, there was a spirit. Like, many people. Oh, and it's yeah, like, they, they it all wasn't heard, a like, real a house. It was like a fucking sound, a sound stage. Well, it's like, you know, <laughs> the movie Poltergeist that was like, oh, this is a cursed set. Like, that young girl passed away and, like, you know, the cinematographer died, like, while making the movie. It would be hilarious if Practical Magic was like, yeah, like, seven people attached to that movie mysteriously died right afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, they're just like, you know, I worked on that movie and there was, you know, something about that old house. Like everybody felt there was a presence. There was a presence. Somebody's like, oh, I thought that was like filmed on sound stages in LA. It's like, it was yeah. like many different sound stages, but you could feel, especially <laughs> like soundstage B that was down on La Brea, there was something going on there. 
Something it's like was just there. the uh, just heavy heavy air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely felt it. It's a fucking freon leak. Uh, <laughs> can we talk about that exorcism that happened? That like. <laughs> It does start off all like cutesy whatever and like it's about sisterhood and the town coming together and like ladies like, you know, triumphing over something. But imagine being like a PTA mom and like getting over the fact, like setting aside your differences to help somebody out. And then it's a horrifying exorcism where (laughs) somebody almost dies and you're just sitting there watching like, oh, Mike, what have we done? What? (laughs) We've invoked Satan. Margot Martindale was one of the, she wasn't one of the PTA moms. She was one of the women who worked in the, the soap shop or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A little apothecary. Yeah. What yeah. have you? The thing that, that was another thing. That store, it was like a, it was like a very New York <laughs> store that she's running where there's like three different products. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like when aiden quinn's character goes in yeah. to buy something because he's just like checking out the town and he's like most expensive shampoo i ever bought <laughs> but Thanks. it's like it's yeah. this town it's a town of like a couple hundred people you know it's like uh, essentially the way that the way that supply economics you know the smaller the town <laughs> it's like a you have a general store there's like one store with everything yeah. it's like if you're in new york you can you can have a store that only sells like you know a couple things of shampoo and everybody comes to get the one thing. And it's like, no, you're <laughs> how many people <laughs> like how, how are people just going through the shampoo so much that they're coming back every day? And and I thought those two ladies that work there with Sandra Bullock were like also witches, but they just look and act like that and they're like <laughs> they're like wannabe witches, I guess. Not even. <laughs> I don't know what's going yeah. on. <laughs> And also, like, how many people do you need working in a storefront in a small town? You got three people working at once? <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to, what, to handle customers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the economics I mean, of it are not feasible. <laughs> You're right. You're very right. I mean, the main way that Sandra Bullock's character uses her uh, witchy magic powers is to stir her cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only magic we really see uh, that she does. But she's, the floating spoon. She's so talented, though. She could be so great, but she never does mm. magic. She's the sensible one. Nicole Kidman's the fiery one. (laughs) Let's get into track eight. This is Elvis Presley with Always On My Mind. Maybe I didn't treat you Quite as good as I should have Maybe I didn't love you Quite as often as I could have Little things I should have said and done I just never took the time You were always on my mind That song has been recorded over 300 times by different artists. Yeah, Um, highly covered. I think my... favorite one is probably the version by the pet shop boys oh yeah which is a really great version it's a of jam track. yeah yeah i think i like this elvis version better but but I, I do like that pet shop boys version this is kind of uh the theme song of the villain yeah he's like getting down to this song when they're driving this is so he's still he's still alive he hasn't been murdered yet and then so it turns out he's he's abusive and sandra bullock comes to rescue her sister mm-hmm from this guy and then they in you know it gets into uh they're they're on the road together 
and they give him a little concoction and he does, it's supposed to make him pass out. And they're like, he should be passed out by now. She's like, how much did you give him? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> so he, he eventually passes out and uh, yeah, they end up killing him for the first time and <laughs> burying him on their uh, front lawn. They kill him probably in, in the American Southwest somewhere. And then I guess they put him in the trunk and bring him back to New England and then try to then bring him back to life and then immediately kill him again and then bury him. (laughs) I know that later there's like a few kind of lines where it's like, oh yeah, like I'm investigating, you know, your ex-boyfriend because he maybe murdered people and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, Because (laughs) if he's just an abusive guy, they they really let him have hell. (laughs) Murdering him. No, he killed like two other women. Remember that was yeah, the, yeah. Oh, okay. he, it was like That's a serial right. thing he was doing. Was like he was an abusive boyfriend that would kill his uh, like yeah. significant but, others. But that was that was only referred to like if they hadn't put that line in, it would have been like maybe a little overkill. <laughs> also, like <laughs> poisoning like, alcohol like is not on his witchcraft. Grave over and over. <laughs> There's nothing to do with witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the movie the movie has finally started at this point. We're eight tracks in. We're in. Strap in. The inciting incident where they kind of accidentally murder somebody, bring him back to life, and then purposefully murder him. I thought he was a great villain. Like, I really... He was a real creep. Uh, Great actor. Goron. Goron. Whatever. Yeah, and he ends up, like, inhabiting the body of Nicole Kidman as he, like, comes back into the human world. It's very, uh, very crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's one, one, like, heavy CGI scene where he, you actually see him come back and the cop sees him and they kind of fight and then <laughs> the cop is like okay tell me what's going on <laughs> yeah. and then what happens the, his badge like somehow burns the ghost and then the ba- is it because it's a pentagram there's a scene where Sandra Bullock sort of touches the badge and i think she kind of like blesses it cuz remember or curses or whatever a witch does but <laughs> 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 oh yeah okay 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 so so he, that's the one time you see his ghost. And then after that, it just gets into like exorcism. Uh, it gets into like the exorcist style. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so weird. So weird. I think it's, I think it's pretty apropos for, uh, for the villain who's like a possessive, like, uh, like creepy weirdo to be channeling like, like late Elvis. Yeah. Is like, it makes it super creepy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was actually a great song choice. Like him, you know, Elvis, like locking up his, his child bride. <laughs> Oh yeah, man. always on my mind. And then when Ugh, he when he ret- when he returns from the grave, spitting image of late Elvis too, uh, bloated corpse Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> he comes back as Elvis, yeah. <laughs> doing uh, yeah sloppy karate moves. <laughs> 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 All right, Nikki, is it uh is it break time? The movie started finally. Is it time for a break? It's time for a break. Uh, I've got a little game prepared for us when we come back, so stick with us. And then uh, at the end of the episode, we're going to add a song to the Tracklisting Spotify playlist, our favorite magic song or supernatural song. So uh, keep listening. Spooky. Hey, thank you guys for listening to the Tracklisting Podcast. As always, we want to hear from you. Hey! Hey! Thank you for listening to the podcast. Welcome to our ad. 
<laughs> How can they uh, reach out to us, Chris? Well, you can find us on Instagram. That is at Tracklisting Podcast. You can Gmail us. Do people, uh, it's 2020 now. I don't know if people email anymore. People but if, if, if you want Gmail, it's uh, tracklistingpodcast at gmail.com. And rate and review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And make sure to follow our uh, official Spotify tracklisting playlist on Spotify. Get on that iTunes and try to bounce out our one one star review. Yeah, who did that? <laughs> hey! Hey! Thanks for listening. We love y'all. Welcome back to Track Listing. We are here with the Practical Magic soundtrack. But first, before we get back, I've got a little game prepared for us this week. This is a round of Tinsel Town. Back from the grave. This is a game of actors singing songs in movies. Uh, I've got three rounds prepared for you guys. and Only three? Only three. <laughs> Keeping it short and sweet. I think Chris did five rounds in the last yeah, game. Really <laughs> testing the limits of everyone. Uh, so you'll get a point if you can tell me the actor and another point for the movie. All right. Okay. Are you guys ready for round one? I'm, I'm ready. ready. Round one. I'll beat my drum And if I'm found out Your turn at that, sir At least I didn't fake it a hat, sir So what? I didn't make it Nobody I said nobody Nobody I do not recognize the film, but I is that Zoe Deschanel? It seems like her doing like a like a little bit of a razzle dazzle. I like Hollywood, <laughs> and I pretend like I can't sing. That's a good guess, but that is not correct. It's not Bette Midler, is it? It's not Bette Midler, but you're um, you're you're in the right. Um, kind of territory okay can i ask a, a question or two about that clip please was that facetious or was that part of like a musical movie was that some it is not part of a musical movie at all does it sound okay. like is the male vocal like pre-existing and she's like singing along to it that is correct okay so we're guessing okay. the female here. so uh is is the movie is this like a an 80s or 90s film the movie is from 1999. 1999. Uh, let's hear it one more time. Yeah. Round one. I'll beat my drum. And if I'm found out, your turn at that, sir. At least I didn't fake it a hat, sir. So what? I didn't make it. Nobody. I said nobody, nobody had a better I was just curious if that was, uh, is that uh, Frank Sinatra singing the actual song or is it one of the Rat Pack? That is Don't Rain on My Parade by Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren, oh. okay. What do you think, yeah. Chris? That's like a re- 
it sounds like a rom-commy type thing in which the female lead is about to do like some revenge or something or <laughs> is this like a meg ryan vehicle you guys are getting closer uh it's it's a romance drama from 1999 oh god if, if it's 1999 i probably have for meg ryan i bet we've seen it i will give you another clue here this one for best film in the year 2000 maybe that'll help out holy jesus is this as good as it gets no it's not <laughs> that best oh jesus christ is it <laughs> i'm trying to think of what one in 2000 is like crash or like some sort of oh five so it's earlier than that um the movie features an actor that has been canceled <laughs> oh man too many to oh, name kevin, uh kevin spacey oh is this uh annette benning this in, is uh, oh, American, Beauty? American Beauty. Yes, this and is she is plotting revenge. She is plotting revenge. Yes, I don't remember yeah. the scene at all. She's about to kill her husband. <laughs> yeah, um, that's Annette Benning singing uh, Bobby Darren's "Don't Rain on My Parade" from American Beauty '99. Uh, okay. Best yeah. film. Best that's film. Fun. It's a yeah. good movie. Yeah, it, I I haven't rewatched it since I probably since like uh, maybe the early 2000s because of it's kind of. I think famously a little bit of an overrated best picture winner. And also with the spacey stuff, it's just like, ugh. well, ugh. like yeah. I was on the fence until like he showed that plastic bag in that video, <laughs> that plastic bag. And it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. So, I'll, you know, it's very sweet, Chris round two. <laughs> you guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. I know that there is pain, but you, Hold on for one more day and you break, free, break from the chain. Someday somebody's gonna make you wanna turn around and say goodbye. Until that day you met, are you gonna let him hold you down and make you cry? Cause you know, cause you know, it's a chain that keeps it going away in your home. I don't know why. I'm getting an Ashton Kutcher vibe. Is that Ashton Kutcher? It is not Ashton Kutcher. Is that, is that the Kutch? Uh, no Kutchy. I was having a hard time hearing the like the vocals on top of the vocals, but it sounded like maybe like a Wahlberg. Uh, what what year do you think this uh, movie is from? I feel like with the 80s kind of revival and a guy singing over, like it seems like this would be a it's more like recent. Adam McKay film. vibe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like a Will Ferrell kind of uh, John C. Reilly. This is from 2004. Okay. This is a comedy. Is uh, Talladega Nights? It's not Talladega Nights, but you're in the, you're in the right territory. Yeah, let's hear, it, let's hear it one more time and see if I can pick up yeah. some of those vocals. Yeah, I know that there is pain, but you hold on for one more day and you break free, break from the chain. Someday somebody's gonna make you wanna turn around and say goodbye. Until that day, man, are you gonna let him hold you down and make you cry? Don't you know, don't you know, it's a chain that keeps it going away. In your home, the world's my day. Oh, 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 oh
this comedy from 2004 is also the first installment in a series. Mm. So it's pre anybody from the office. It's pre like Seth Rogen, that crew. Is this yeah. like a grown-ups? I'm trying to think of what uh <laughs> <laughs> like comedy comedy series. Um oh, is this like a Ben Stiller? Uh no. You're, you're, you're getting close. Uh, we got to give a shout out. This uh, movie also features the late Fred Willard. Oh. Yeah. 2004 series. Is that Anchorman? It is not Anchorman. Do you guys want a, uh, a little more obvious clue? Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. it's time. Yeah. This is a stoner comedy. Is this a Harold and Kumar? Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, oh, it is. did Neil Patrick Harris? Is this one? Of- this is John Cho and Cal Penn oh, okay. singing Sing. Wilson Phillips' Phillips. Is "Hold yeah. On" in, in the first Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yeah, yeah. This is when they were going to White Castle. Yeah, I remember this part. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's a great song, but yeah, <laughs> great movie. Check it out. Underrated. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Good job, Caleb. Right. Good job. Yeah, I'm not Can't. Doing well. Ah, we're getting stumped. We're getting stumped out here. God damn All right. It. This is the last round. Round three. Big round. All right. You guys ready? Let's hear it. This might be my favorite clip of an actor singing a song in a movie ever. Really? So, so they're on the road. Is it? I don't remember this scene, but is it Tommy Boy? Is that David Spade? That is a fantastic guess, but that is not correct. Okay. Uh, favorite clip ever. Is it Black Sheep and David Spade? <laughs> this is not a David okay. Spade right, movie. You guys want to hear that again? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Enjoy. All right, this movie is from the year 1996. 96, is this like Road Trip or something? Uh, 96. I think that's a little early for Road Trip. Is this Dumb and Dumber? It's not Dumb and Dumber. This is a rom-com. Your fa- your favorite clip of any actor singing <laughs> oh, anything man. is from a rom-com? When- what, from 1996? When, dude, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys want an, a little bit more obvious clue? Maybe yeah, this will yeah, help yeah. out? Yeah. I can hear it on um, the road. This did not win Best Picture, but it did win an award for Best Supporting Actor. 
in 96. Best. It would be insane if I knew who won Best Supporting Actor in 1996. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is a soundtrack we've talked about doing, and we have to do this soundtrack. Um, 1996. Is this like almost famous or something? Really you're, a, getting, you're getting close. It's not really a rom-com. Uh, you're, you're in the right territory with the director. It's a Cameron Crowe film. <laughs> Wait, what is it? Nineteen ninety six. Oh, Crow. dude, is it? Uh, it's Tom Cruise and um, uh, uh, Jerry Maguire. It's Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire. I remember that scene. Oh, I don't remember the scene at all. Yeah, I remember this. Oh, I can hear his laugh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, you know, man. Actually, yeah, I've I never, remember that I, scene. I've never sat and watched Jerry Maguire, um, but just seeing the clip of him doing this completely out of context <laughs> is what I, I think he's just like closed some deal or something and he's like celebrating. Yeah. But like just out of context, it's it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Because he's Cause you're like, why is he laughing? He's <laughs> acting like how he thinks a human would act. That's yeah. Tom Cruise's process. He's like, oh, how man. would a human do this? I shall do that thing. <laughs> so uh, bonus points if you guys can tell me what is similar about all these clips and how they relate to the movie. Hmm. They're all driving while singing. Or singing while driving. Oh, That's right. Okay. Yeah, they're Just all the like um, Case of You, Nicole Kidman's uh, Johnny Mitchell song, oh, Sung yeah. in the Car. There's the connection. There I, it is. I cannot wait to be back in the studio with you guys and we can we can hear these with better audio fidelity. Yeah. I feel sorry for the listeners. Listeners at home, you're going to be hearing the, the good quality versions and you're going to be banging your heads against the screen. <laughs> Thank you guys for playing another round of Tinseltown Tunes where there are no winners. <laughs> Thank you, oh, man, we did so bad. Oh, I thought you guys were definitely going to get some of those. Oh, man. It was close. It was close towards the end there. No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cuba, you me Cuba, the- Cuba Gooding Jr. winning uh, Best Supporting Actor for um, Jerry Maguire there. Yeah, best Oscar really acceptance fun. speech ever. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, he's just like, I don't want to thank my mom. I don't want to thank my cousin. I don't want to. Th-. And they're like playing <laughs> oh, him Jesus. off. And he's like, you know, thanking everybody. It's great. Check that out, listeners. Well, let's jump back into the soundtrack here. We are coming in on track number nine. This is Brand Van 3000 with Everywhere. Everyone you've ever known counts on you, waits for you to come through. Don't you know that you're going to break through? a band out of Canada and for some reason they are listed as being a um, 
a hip hop group. <laughs> which I'm not really hearing that. I hear it. I hear it. Uh, that was sampled a bunch. That song was. Oh, it's so bad. What part of the movie is this in? I can't even. Obviously, it's, a montage. Yeah, it's a montage. Uh, Sandra Bullock is working in her shop, and her, like kids are her own children are like making faces to the window. Right. Oh yeah. Oh god, it's so bad. This is, <laughs> it's crazy yeah so in this part in the soundtrack we're nine songs in and uh aiden quinn hasn't shown up yet nothing's really <laughs> happened they haven't murdered the guy yet i don't think or maybe they have I don't know. Which, I, did you ever see that uh gus van zandt movie about kurt cobain no oh uh last days i last days i mean that's a movie that never kicks in <laughs> if, we're, if we're gonna be honest here because you're you start watching that and you're kind of sitting there you're like well, it's going to start like in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah, oh man, three hours of nothing. It's like a meatloaf song. Like I would do anything <laughs> for love. And you're like, when does this song start? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They, they put out some videos of um, live videos of Prince playing recently, like during these uh, trying times. There's like a old performance of the revolution playing Purple Rain. The song's got like a 15-minute guitar solo intro. God. <laughs> completely unnecessary. Never starts. Well, like, who's that for at that point? You know it's what I mean? Prince, for Prince. It's for Prince. It's for Prince. Yeah. It's, it's only guess... Prince. It's for his vault. <laughs> <laughs> I knew the answer to that question before I even asked it. <laughs> All right, Mickey. What's, what's next? Uh, nothing else on uh, Brand Van 3000? Uh, <laughs> shout out to the worst band name I have ever heard. <laughs> it's, it's named after a uh, Volkswagen minivan. <laughs> so that'll take us right into track 10. <laughs> Sounds like a microwave from the 1950s. <laughs> the Brand Van 3000. <laughs> Zips and zaps your meals to maximum heat. <laughs> All right. Uh, ooh, excited about this. Track 10 is Coconut by Harry Nielsen. Brother bought a coconut, he bought it for the time His sister had another one, she paid it for the lime She put the lime in the coconut, she drank and poured up She put the lime in the coconut, she drank and poured up She put the lime in the coconut, she drank and poured up She put the lime in the coconut, she called the doctor Woke him up and said, doctor, ain't there nothing I can take I said, doctor, to relieve his belly ache I said, yeah nielsen love nielsen yeah, yeah. he's midnight a, margaritas he's a oh man a boozy scene uh <laughs> scored by a famous boozy susie himself harry nielsen <laughs> yeah man. hollywood drink monster <laughs> it's such a hilarious scene in the movie too because nicole kidman and sandra bullock are upstairs and they hear their witchy ants they hear the sound of the blender come on and they're yeah, like, like margaritas margaritas i love as like a uh, like a family like uh, tradition it's amazing it's like oh it's time for margaritas and they get drunk and it's like a party and then it just cuts to them like sitting around a table just fucking pounding shots yeah like just, all of a sudden it's a fucking bukowski film and people are just like <laughs> bam bam and just like looking at each other and sweating and then at the end and then the <laughs> And then they figure out that uh, something's gone wrong with them uh, killing and then bringing back to life and killing the guy. And, they, <laughs> yeah. and then the ants. They're like, I smell something. Yeah. And then the ants are just like, 
there's something in where they're not telling us and they just leave. Yeah. They're like, you got to fix it yourselves, ladies. And they leave <laughs> and then they come back and then fix the problem. So there's, it makes no sense. Like, why? <laughs> it's like, look, we only were contracted to, uh, to shoot like four, four weeks and we're on week six. So we're just going <laughs> to cut these two ladies out of most of the movie. It doesn't serve the plot, I guess. It's so bizarre. It's, it's like so you, know, you know how, what happens with witchcraft. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta fix it yourself, and then they just come back. Oh, I don't God. understand. Yeah, you're so right though. That drinking scene gets so visceral <laughs> towards the end, and they're like you know, drink monsters, like slurping, and it like shows like dribble coming from Stockard Channing's face. And you're like, oh god. Nicole Kid Nicole Kidman said that they really got wasted while filming that scene, and she brought a bottle of uh, like the cheapest tequila that she could find to the set. And she's like, yeah, we all just got trashed <laughs> for, for like to, you know. 30 seconds it's like the fucking lighthouse they're all just like staring at each other it's a fantastic use of the harry nielsen song oh yeah oh yeah it's great there's a uh, clip of uh coconut performed live uh by harry nielsen that i found from like the early 70s must have been on some public access show or something but it's uh three gorillas wearing bowler hats (laughs) And I think I think they just shot it where it's 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 like three gorillas that are all Harry Nilsson. Yeah. And uh it's this real quirky live version of the track and it's uh it's one of my new favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out, listeners. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it would have been like to be like Harry Nilsson is like a great songwriter and singer and to have like this is probably his biggest hit, I would assume. And it's off of like well, his obviously his best album, but it's yeah. it's like listed as a novelty song, and it is, you know it is kind of a novelty. He he does like a bunch of different voices. It's <laughs> like the weird parts. Well, he originally was singing it just in one voice, and his uh, record producer was like, "Well, I think you should do like a kind of a different voice for each of the characters because this could end up being like an animated." kind of song he was like oh all right so he did these quirky voices and it's it's genius yeah it's a genius song uh that is also on the level of like i told the witch doctor i don't know you're such a silly woman yeah (laughs) it's kind of crazy man no man oh boy all right nikki what do we got next we got track 11. This is Stevie Nicks coming up again with Crystal. How the faces of love change Turning the pages And I have changed Next, finally got what she wanted with this song and got to sing lead vocals after all those years. <laughs> oh, God. This was like first on the uh, Buckingham Nicks album. Yeah. And then it was on Fleetwood Mac's self title. And, you know, Stevie Nicks re recorded it for this soundtrack with Cheryl Crow. But Cheryl Crow was saying something interesting where they had already cut together 
the scene that this was going to be used into the original. So they had to kind of structure it around the version that had Lindsay's vocal in it. And Cheryl Crow is, you know, in the studio late one night and she's, Stevie lays down her part and then Cheryl Crow puts down her part and she's like singing to this like haunting Lindsay Buckingham track. And she's like, wait, am I, am I in Fleetwood Mac right now? (laughs) (laughs) What's happening? This is getting a little witchy. This is a little magical. (laughs) Is this at the end of the film? Is this like kind of the. Yeah. Stevie comes in late and she comes in hot. Uh, this yeah. is when she finally is making out with, or I, I think she's already made out with uh, Aiden Quinn. And this is like when she's like sending the spell on the leaf and like, what wouldn't you do for the right man? Or, and she realizes that he was the person that I guess she cast the spell about years yeah. ago. We've gone like we've gone like an hour without music now in between coconut and this song, I think. And it's all just like fucking flowery score. We'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah. uh Oh God. <laughs> I gotta say this movie was fucking shitty, man. People I, people talk <laughs> about it like a it's a cult film. And, you know, and it's it's definitely entertaining, but it is a fucking mess. Yeah. It's it's, Caleb is smiling on Zoom, but Chris <laughs> looks visibly upset. <laughs> It's um, it's very watchable somehow. I really enjoyed watching it, but you're so. I mean, it is it is all over the place. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's a little witch in all of us. I like to think, and I think this movie really, uh, really speaks to that. <laughs> it's about sister. It's about sisterhood, and I think that's um, you know, you don't give up on somebody, and you murder uh people again and again and again if they keep coming at you so <laughs> get them murder people and then you can get away with it i guess mm-hmm. there's no explanation of why they just like close the case at the end yeah she gets a letter in the mail that says uh you're good to go yeah <laughs> hey um <laughs> all right but maybe maybe this is a good time to um i'm gonna be uh officer hallett aiden quinn's character okay. and return to my uh my arizona police department um <laughs> And you two are my bosses. You guys are like the commission. And uh, once, <laughs> the once, deputy. The deputy and the commission. Why don't you ask me, um, you know, what's the latest in this uh, murder case? <laughs> yeah, so, so you've been gone. You've been on assignment now for probably two and a half weeks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. To New, New England, to the, the the bed and breakfast bills that we're getting back from New England are like... Yeah, it's all, it's all expense. All, all yeah. the, all the shampoo, the expensive shampoos, we're just like pouring what, over the chemistry parts. What's uh, Aiden? What's the officer's name? Uh, it's Officer Gary Hallett. Gary, Gary Hallett. <laughs> Gary, get in here. Yeah. All right. Hey. All right. Sorry. All right. Curtain. Gary. Uh, all right. First of all, we're really happy to have you back. We didn't realize you'd be gone so long up to New England or Washington State or wherever you were. Yeah. Any mm-hmm. any word on? The, okay. Any word on the case? We got we got three unsolved murders and a disappearance. Uh, we're, we got all the expense reports back, but uh, we just—how did you wrap this thing up? What are we looking at here? Yeah, it's um, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I uh, I found no wrongdoing, uh, and you know, people just disappear. I think so. That's that. Uh, I am moving to that same town, by the way. Yeah, so no, I'm going to interrupt you, happened, Gary. Gary, what happened to that missing car, Gary? Oh uh, no! We, I found it. Found the car. Um, you know, no wrongdoing. Found a little bit of poison in the car. I, I, these things work itself out, you know. So, um, so the suspect Jimmy is still alive, or is he still at large? Or 
No. We, did uh, we find a body? Yes and no. Do you do you believe in the occult? Well, the what? <laughs> the uh, occult. We did find a... You sent back the ring. You found his ring. Yeah. Yeah, I found that in a toad. Um, that's going to be in evidence. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. I'm getting married. What are you guys doing in June? Oh, Gary, I mean, we're just looking over your uh, expense report here on your uh, trip out wherever the fuck you were. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's right. There, there's uh, a lot of uh, shampoo charges on this uh, docket here. It's it's just one bottle, but it is uh, it's a very expensive bottle, and it's uh, it's supposed to increase my potency. Uh, I heard another guy at the shop talking about like putting it in the wrong place. I thought I was supposed to put it on my head. Apparently, you know, it's um. God damn it, you, Gary, Gary uh, we're gonna miss you. I really hope that uh, that you getting married has nothing to do with this this uh, this shampoo shop that we're seeing on here. That that by itself would be a huge conflict of interest. That yeah, you're listen. Us up in the, I mean, I don't, I don't want to like accuse you of any like untowards, but like just, just make me feel better about the conflict of interest that you're, you're not expensing us with things with your uh, future wife, are you? Look, yes and no. I found the murderer. She admitted to it. Okay, um, but oh. she came, she came clean. She came. I read her letters. Um, she came clean to me, and uh, now we're getting married. Is she a witch? Does she come from witches? Yes. Do I think that has anything to do with me falling under some sort of spell? I don't think so. Uh, not not in my opinion. But uh, is this your first time? Is this your first time falling we, in love with a woman, Gary? Can we loop, can we loop back around to the shampoo, Gary? Before we, I'm sorry. Did you say witchcraft? I don't. Wait. I'm sorry. You said that somebody. You have a confession. Because because the DA said that he hasn't heard anything about any confession. What, uh, Gary? Gary, Hi, don't, Gary don't interrupt Gary. me, Sergeant. Gary, <laughs> deputy, here, Gary. deputy, don't interrupt me. And, this is the first time you've been in love, Gary. And scene, and scene. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah, yeah. That could have gone on for a couple of hours. Could have, Gary, you know. Gary's professional ethics are are real hazy, real dubious, hazy, dubious at best. Uh, when he makes out with the person who confesses to the murder. Uh, <laughs> How about when he just start? He's like, I know that you're guilty. I can tell that you're lying to me. Uh, here, give me that pan. Let's make some pancakes. Ah, oh, I got cute kids. <laughs> yeah, he just like moves there. <laughs> yeah, it's already the bad. first time they kiss too. She's like, Oh, we can't, but we can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like somehow the scene turns very sensual when he's like straight up questioning her for murder. And <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah she's like she's going through she's like looking at the evidence that he brought his it's all like spread out in his uh motel room and she looks down and it's like her her note her letter that she had written to her sister and it's been opened she's like you read my letter she opens it up later and it's like tattered like he's been like pouring over it over and over <laughs> and also like yeah i did it's evidence <laughs> like <laughs> It's evidence. I put it under my pillow at night. I like breathe in. It was a scented letter. I just breathe it in. <laughs> Fucking creepy weirdo, man. Uh, Gary. Gary fell under the spell yeah. of love. <laughs> All right, let's get into track 12. Alan Silvestri with Practical Magic.
the the type of score that they would use to like recut Hellraiser into a romantic comedy trailer on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Like, should, should with we the say help a little of bit a about few the... friends. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, a, a Cenobite with nothing to lose, <laughs> except his heart. Uh, yeah, talk about the. Uh, there's some interesting stuff going on with the score of this film. Yeah, the film was originally scored by uh, Michael Nyman, and his score unfortunately got tossed out by Warner Brothers at the oh. last minute. Some executive heard it and said, "This has got to go." And uh, you can find a copy of the. Uh, there's basically like a soundtrack version too. The first disc is Alan Silvestri's score, and the second disc is the original score. You know, you can find that, uh, which I found and listened to. And I mean, I got to say, the score that got tossed out has a lot of flute work in it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, lot of woodwinds. Uh, it's it's, it's kind of, it's all over. I mean, Michael Nyman said that he thought it was the best score that he had ever put together with a movie that he connected with uh, in no way, shape or form. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it got tossed out. They, they brought in heavyweight composer, Alan Silvestri, who's yeah. done, you know, back to the future, Forrest Gump, ev- everything you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he did it in like six weeks and, you know, that's what you hear in the movie. But I mean, the original score, it's not glaringly awful, yeah, but I, I mean, say, how it's, bad it's, could it's, it be? It's it's a it's a lot of flutes. It's a lot of flutes. <laughs> yeah, but this the score in the film is like it's a little overbearing for a lot of it, and it's like you said, there's a huge gap without any popular music, and it's just all score. Yeah, like trying, and it's it's weird. Like some, it's definitely one of those things where some scenes seem like they're either like darker or funnier than than or originally, and then it has this like kind of very saccharine score going over the whole thing that makes you feel like you're like wait a minute am i watching like a romantic comedy or fucking legends of the fall or something yeah what genre is this movie uh hollywood fever dream uh, editor <laughs> nightmare. Magic, i don't know magic magic the magic genre I mean, I think the the I think Michael Nyman has a reason to you know be upset, but he blamed their reaction to his score on the fact that the film is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, it was a narrative mess, and he's like, I was brought on last minute to throw this thing together, and he was like, I was just the punching bag. Yeah, someone had the, to take the fall. The executives. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I was the I was the butt boy <laughs> in the end. He was the goat, the escape. Yeah, <laughs> the goat. Um, but um, yeah, you can f- you can find it out there. It's called uh, Practical Magic, like Volume Two. Michael, Michael Nyman, he should have known him when he heard that uh, black that black beetle cricket. <laughs> he's just like, what is that? He's like trying to rec- record the score, and he's like, what's that he's noise? Cursed. What is this in the headphones that I'm yeah. hearing? I'm hearing something. <laughs> he's about to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dickie, what's uh, track thirteen? Coming in on the last track, this is Alan Silvestri again with Amas Veritas. (laughs) 
Is this when those goddamn witches were flying off the rooftop to a crowd that's just cheering for them? <laughs> yeah! The hometown is wee! Yay, witches! And they're like, yeah, they're dressed in like the witch version of like blackface. They're like Halloween <laughs> witches. They've yeah. got like striped socks. Yeah, it's probably very offensive if you're actually a witch. <laughs> yeah, I think I know. I think I know why Griffin Dunn got cursed by that witch. She saw like a rough cut. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this cultural God. appropriation of witch culture. <laughs> this score. I mean, I know that Alan Silvestri is like a pro, and and it it is it's distinctive in a way, but it's really just like a fucking what is like an Eric Copeland kind of ripoff or. A, uh, it's yeah. like a little he, bit of that like he loves American like a, frontier score he loves like a feather like floating in the air you know what i mean like that's His all of inspiration yeah. it's just like well okay, let me ask you are there are there leaves floating in the air or is this a feather? constant constantly constantly like, <laughs> yeah. okay okay good good i can use that i can use that well, guys, that is the soundtrack. Oh, well done. <laughs> Magic. Witch, witch, witch. She's a bitch. <laughs> Just like. Oh, man. It's kind of a brutal uh, quote. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right practical magic the last thing we have to do before we get to our recommendations is to review this thing uh, as is our tradition our witchy tradition here on track listing uh chris has to go first out of 15 uh black crickets <laughs> yeah that's good job caleb <laughs> <laughs> that's fine um you know, it, by the way, listeners, if anyone knows how to lift a curse, uh, I've been cursed with the. Anybody knows how the curse got lifted in this movie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please, Ooh. please write in. Um, I, I mean, there's some good hits on this song, man. Or good hits on this soundtrack. Um, I don't like too much of that coffee house singer songwritery bullshit that happens uh, yeah. with your, uh, your Lisa Hall, your Michelle Lewis, your brand van 3000. <laughs> um, but there's some hits on here um, and I'm going to give it a pretty high rating. Cause I think it, it works well in the first uh, 40 minutes of the film. <laughs> and then Stevie comes in hot at the end um, with some good tracks. I'm going to give this, um, let's do a 10.6. 10.6 okay. brooms in the sky. Very good, Chris. Nikki, uh, how do you, how did you feel about the soundtrack? Uh, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, there's some great hits on here and there's some great stinkers on here as well. Um, Stevie Nicks, Marvin Gaye, Nick Drake, Joni Mitchell, Elvis Presley, Harry Nielsen. And, you know, the Silvestri stuff is, you know, good for what it is. I'm going to have to give this a 12.5 uh, Black Beetles in the sky. Ooh, wow. Ooh, nice. A lot of curses. Uh, <laughs> Spooky. This is like one of those soundtracks where I feel like it, the sum of its parts, it's less than the sum of its parts. Like, uh, I love the Elvis track. I do like the Stevie Nicks things. I guess like the only, like you would say, the cover, the bad cover of this soundtrack is Stevie Nicks covering his own her own song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough because I feel like I remembered the movie. I guess I hadn't seen it before. I expected it to be better, and it just it really <laughs> towards the end really made me mad. Uh, <laughs> I got to give this soundtrack probably an eight point five. All right, 
Audience applause. (laughs) Sound effects. Nice. Standing ovation. Nice. All right. So now it is time to add a song to the Tracklessine Spotify playlist, our favorite magic song. Um, I'll lead off if you guys don't mind. Go for it. I mind this time. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Lead us off, Caleb. (laughs) I, it's funny, like I was, I had my heart set on since it's a it's a movie about witches that's not goth at all, and there's no like spooky music in it, and I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend like an actual like gothy song, something like real witchy, and then uh, I just couldn't I couldn't make up my mind, and I ended up uh, picking a song that totally would have fit on this soundtrack, which is uh from 1967, uh, an artist named Brenton Wood. This is his song, the Oogum Boogum song. this song it's perfect yeah. for dance dancing around the house you know cooking dinner trying to drown out that that cursed beetle <laughs> trying to enjoy, enjoy your precious time with your family before that beetle catches up to you yeah, just doing a conga line around the coffee table you know <laughs> good times <laughs> what do you got for us chris i've got a song called under your spell by a band called desire song working in the movie as well yeah i thought it was sort of apropos about being um under the spell of love with somebody uh you guys might recognize that uh, that song from the drive soundtrack which yeah, is a soundtrack we would love to do one of these days um that's uh two of the members from the chromatics are in that band desire yeah and, johnny jewel from uh chromatics and glass candy and glass candy yeah but um Jam of a song, a very sort of spooky love song. There's a a vocal breakdown when they're talking about what's the difference between love and obsession? Do you think love is forever, forever, ever (laughs) in the middle? But yeah, (laughs) it's a great jam. It's uh, it's something to cruise to and think about somebody you love, you know? Great song. All right, Nikki, bring us home. What do you got? For my supernatural song, I've got Spirit of the Night by Tesla Boy. Let's hear it. Oh, no. 
Tesla Boy, a uh, synth pop band out of uh, Russia. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, quality stuff and uh, ooh, very spooky. Yeah, that's sort of similar vein to the Drive soundtrack, some new wave yeah. retro sort of synthy stuff. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. All right, guys. Good episode. Practical yeah. Magic. Yeah, that's great. Got to watch out for that uh, black beetle, yeah. though. If you hear a chirp and don't go... I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go figure it uh, out. tearing up your uh, floorboards or something. All right, next week, I think Chris has a pick for us, and maybe I have a game. I think that's the plan. That sounds good to me. Well, thanks uh, for listening to the soundtrack, you guys, and thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there, and we'll see you next week. Love you. Bye.